Hello, this is Grad School Grad, a podcast about public policy and international relations graduate programs in the United States. For today's episode, I want to talk about UK schools for policy and IR grad programs uh, and what you should know. Uh, I know this is a little bit ironic because my podcast is about graduate programs in the U.S., but I think it would be helpful for uh, many people, mostly Americans that I talk to, um, who consider, or lately been considering, uh, UK schools as alternatives. Um, reasons range very, uh, widely. Sometimes it's because it's less expensive, because most UK policy and IR grad programs are one year versus two years in the U.S., Although that being said, the London School of Economics has a pretty uh, well-known two-year MPA program out there. Um, and there's also just thought about doing things abroad, uh, living abroad for a little bit. There's excitement about that. And then there's uh, matters about uh, desire to have a more international exposure, experience, uh, and perspectives. So um, given so many Americans that are thinking about UK schools, I think it'd be helpful if I provide um, some thoughts about what is it that American students should know they are thinking about UK schools uh, versus American schools broadly for policy or IR. Um, I want to highlight that I could confidently speak to this because I have family members who went to UK policy and IR grad schools. And you know, I personally myself thought about uh, going to UK for grad school and investigate thoroughly, talk to my family members about it. And, and yeah, just looked at the option, the range of options uh, for their top uh, policy and IR grad programs pretty thoroughly. Uh, I want to highlight I'll, what I'm about to say uh, is most relevant for an American audience. Um, I, I guess international audience could uh, draw some information from it as well, but it would probably make most sense for those come from the American context. All right, let's go. Um, let's start off. Most UK uh, policy and undergrad programs are one year. Uh, very few are two year. Uh, like I mentioned, the most famous is London School of Economics for their MPA program. So because it's a one year, there are some key uh, different differences and considerations to think about. So number one, uh, or one thing to think about is you need to go in with a very strong idea about what your capstone or thesis will be about, like going into graduate school, like when you start, uh, or else you will fall behind kind of fast. So I have, yeah, um, I had a family member uh, who pretty much like was told the first few weeks uh, of her UK grad school experience saying, hey, you probably should come in and have your research topic solidified within uh, the first month or so of attending grad school. Again, just goes back to because it's a one year, in all reality, thinking about the time in school, um, nine months program. Now, there's not much time to really discover what you want to learn or want to be focused on. You have to go in with a pretty strong idea. Um, The second thing to know about given the, the one year reality is that people tend to go in with a very aggressive posture about what they want to do after grad school. And this is because this, there's simply much less time to explore. Uh, and even if you're attending one of the few American-style two-year programs, like in London School of Economics MPA, uh, you at least have to be more deliberate about your career exploration just because networking, especially when I go back to the U.S., is just so much harder. Uh, I mean, granted, uh, 
the Zoom advances from COVID has made life a little bit easier, but between the time differences and just uh, there, there are benefits to face-to-face contact. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about del- deliberate uh, understanding what you want to focus on. So why this matters is that for most people going to a two-year American program, um, there's a lot of opportunity to explore and change your focus area, um, be it you know, in policy or IR. And I would say in the policy space, I would say 67% of my friends change their policy focus area, at least somewhat. IR, I would say my, my friends at IR school, they probably change their focus area probably like 30, 40% of the time. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen in UK schools. It's just logistically much harder to, to do that. Um, so it, if you're, you're someone who wants to go to uh, the UK for a policy or IR grad program, now it, it's, it's smart to go in with a very strong understanding of what you want to do uh, after, after grad school. Um, so that's just something helpful. Okay, let's talk about differentials in terms of quant. And by quant, I mean uh, for those who don't know lingo, just a quantitative analysis, uh, all the math, me, all the math uh, as it relates to academic material. So, UK schools, um, and I mean both policy and IR, are generally more topically focused and less quant methods focused than US schools. Um, this is slowly changing as some UK schools are becoming more, are uh, just hiring people with a more quant methods focus. But broadly speaking, this is remains to be true. So what this means is that if you are going to grad school to develop competitive quant skills, uh, it will be much harder to do that in the UK than versus the US. Um, generally speaking, uh, between the limited time lo- timeline, uh, mostly one year program, and just the class available, there's a less robust course load on quant. Um, and there's also less lower emphasis on quant in terms of research. Um, I would say both my family members who went to uh, UK, uh, top UK grad programs, um, their research pretty much had next to no quant. I mean, uh, there's some minor quant things, but not, yeah, there wasn't that much quant involved that involved intensive levels of stats or even college level stats so um what this means is that if you're really interested in quant oriented research topics you are best served by coming in with quant skills um due to timeline it's just really hard to learn quant that quickly and given how how uh condensed the the, the timeline for doing your research topic is and your for a capstone or thesis yeah like you're not going that much time to learn quant so um so if you do want to focus uh, on on quant um, and go to UK school, honestly, it might hurt your long-term uh, career viability because there are there are simply um, less robust routes for quant uh, just quant pathways via grad school unless you come in a strong quant, like I mentioned. But also, you know, on the flip side, if you're someone that wants to go to a program that is quant low, or you don't have to worry about that much stats, um, in my opinion, it would hurt your career in the long term because quant capabilities are becoming more and more desired in the job marketplace. But if you, for whatever reason, absolutely hate all the stat stuff and want to live in a world without stats, um, British schools might be a very viable option um, in, in terms of academics. All right. 
I think a great thing about going to UK schools uh, that um, I honestly didn't get that much in US grad programs is having very international perspectives on issues. So thinking about the traditional norms of the US way of thinking. So that being said, I want to highlight in US grad schools, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk about the different opinions in the US. And I would say different opinions, thoughts, perspectives in the US to a good extent cover the different perspectives of the world. But um, there is a lot of context missing a lot of times. So for example, uh, let's just talk, take an issue that you now in the US at least, you would very rarely think about it from outside US context, which is like national security and defense. Um, in the US, in US grad school, all, always talk about national security and defense is via the prism of the US, uh, occasionally NATO partner. And the, you know, in the British uh, grad, graduate programs, uh, just by nature of it's in Britain, and Britain, shall we say, had a military-industrial complex around the world, um, the conversations were essentially much more global in nature. I, I heard things about Eastern Europe. When I, I talked to my people, my friends who uh, focused on that topic in the UK, um, I hear things about Asia and different ways of doing businesses. And just from a uh, perspective, outside the sphere of influence of the U.S. And it's, it's very interesting. Um, sometimes it's similar, sometimes different. But also for social issues. Um, if you, you know, if you're thinking about gun policy, you want to think about uh, addressing, for example, education or uh, urban policy, in which there's a minority-majority issue. Um, in the U.S., uh, you know, whenever I bring up, hey, why don't we look at South Africa or New Zealand or uh, even Northern Ireland, you uh, now, people look at me like I'm crazy, but in the UK, uh, more international perspectives are uh, just, broadly speaking, much more welcome. And partly because they, you know, due to lots of legacies of the UK, there's a very much of a global perspective, at least an openness to a global perspective, which I think is interesting. Um, at least it's, it comes from a different mindset uh, than it does for the US. So, um, yes. That, I think, is helpful in education. Um, one thing that is challenging in the UK graduate school is that the opportunities to, opportunities to work part-time is not really there. So unlike in US schools, part-time uh, work is simply not that common in UK schools. Um, grad students are you know, very much encouraged to participate in student life activities. So there's a lot of student life activities that are intended uh, for graduate students. They might sound like stuff for undergrad students, which they kind of are, but between ball, the balls out there and balls in the UK, which are like formals in the US, are essentially all day to almost all night events. It's not just like an evening formal like it is in the US, uh, but also there's all these ceremonies. There's also um, like lots of sporting events that uh, graduate students are highly encouraged to partake in in intramural sporting events, like more more so than in U.S. schools. Uh, in my grad program, um, I actually tried to organize intramural sports and no one was interested. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but in the U.K. school, my family members who went there, uh, they all played different um, intramural sports and, yeah, had a lot of fun. It was, and a lot, also, there's a lot of time encouraged to, like, just socialize and hang out in the bars to get them to learn and know from each other. Uh, whereas in the U.S. grad programs, it's about hustling to get part-time jobs, part-time research 
gigs and all that, and RA ships, TA ships. Uh, so that's research assistant, teaching assistant roles. But again, um, it's just a different culture in the UK. That, that being said, uh, you do occasionally, and I'm saying it's becoming more common. You find opportunities to help out with professor or research organization. Um, so that's kind of like quasi part time role, but realistically, a part time job in grad school related to uh, your grad school education to help you boost your resume. It's just simply much more difficult to do in um, the top UK schools. Uh, it's it's probably a little bit easier if you if you go to a top UK school in the metropolitan area like London, but still it's challenging uh, just because different culture and nature of uh, the school there. Okay, um, culture nuances to be aware of in UK schools that are, shall we say, a little bit more unique or in the American would find a little bit different at least or very unusual. So first off, um, UK schools have a very socially oriented culture around alcohol activities. So um, at first, this sounds unhealthy, but what it really is is that people, like I kind of briefly alluded to, uh, the students are kind of really encouraged to go to the pub uh, or some variation of a drinking establishment and drink together, socialize together, eat together, and do that frequently and uh, bond. Um, in the U.S., I feel like in many of the grad schools, they put on parties and social events for the graduate students for something to do. But in the UK, uh, don't get me wrong, they have that in terms of ceremonies and balls and other activities. But in the UK, there's a lot more of like everyday uh, interaction among your peers uh, that's encouraged, open, and welcome by going to grad school. Um, so I remember seeing, visiting my family members there, and every day there was like some sort of bar event or activity where people went to the bar to talk to each other partly socialize, partly to discuss ideas. Um, so that being said, people who don't like massive amounts of social interaction uh, have told me that they find the UK schools to be exhausting because there's so much pressure to socialize with their peers. I mean, here's the thing. You could go through UK school and not socialize with your peer after class, but it's just very much in your face. Uh, a lot of the eating areas are kind of like social activities or social opportunities um there's a lot you know there's a lot to be said about who you're having dinner with um in terms of you know who you're socializing and yeah it's it's just very prevalent to have us uh just a social atmosphere uh in the uk schools that yeah i would say not that the pressure not there in u.s schools but just um there's a lot more independence and leeway uh culturally except in u.s schools all right. Um, then there's the matter of, in terms of culture nuances, is that there's a strong emphasis for open debates and discussion where no topics are off limit and there's a lot of devil's advocate playing. This also catches U.S. students off guard a little bit. Um, in the U.K., um, all you have to do is look at uh, the question time and when the prime minister goes to parliament and gets questioned by parliament for every important, sometimes random question there is out there. Um, and what that ties into is that the, U the UK has a very strong cultural tradition of, in terms of policy and politics, 
having fierce debates um, and open debates and where any and everything can be questioned. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that's very true in the U.S. as well. But uh, I think in the U.S. there's a lot of uh, unspoken of rules about how to approach sensitive topics. And then there's, in a strange way, um, unspoken rules about how you formally address uh, or, or what formal channels can you address certain topics and how you do it and the finesse behind it. But in the U.S., in the academic setting at least, um, you know, there have been times where I've seen my family members go to a bar or go to a drinking establishment and then randomly someone would say, hey, you know, I remember what you t- said about in class. I want to talk to you about it, hear your opinions, challenge your ideas, and let me play as devil's advocate. Um, sometimes it's classroom academic things, but sometimes it's things that American students might be rather sensitive to talking about. So, for example, um, you know, when I'm in the UK uh, and around academic, or when I was in the UK, I was around academic institutions, uh, a common question I would get is like, what does it feel like to be someone, a person of color living in the United States? And they would ask me for my, my thoughts. They would listen. Then they asked lots of very uh, inquisitive questions. And they would play devil's advocate with me. Like, why is that so? What about if I thought about it this way? And, you know, I don't mind it personally. Uh, but for an, an, an American or many some Americans... Uh, in which they know, or there are some issues in America in which people might have to handle on a daily basis, if not more, if not less. But there are some expectations of sensitivity towards certain topics about identity or controversial topics. Um, in the UK, the sensitivity of what is sensitive and what is uh, taboo topics is very different. And I would say the the limitations of tops conversations are much smaller than they are in the U.S. So ultimately what I'm getting at is that if you go to U.K. school, uh, be prepared to openly have your ideas both listened to, but also actively challenged. And also by ideas, I mean ideas about any and everything, about politics, about policy, about your identity, about your sense of self, um, that's kind of like the British way of like, hey, you know, you're in an academic setting. We're here to challenge everything, and you're here, and that's how you learn, which is you know a little bit different take uh, how they do the U.S. I mean, I think conceptually it's still the same, but uh, the rules are different. So, all right. Um, then I would say uh, I think there's something to be said about, and I kind of briefly alluded to this earlier, about in terms of differences in identity, um, there is, unlike, unlike the U.S., where, um, although in the, in the U.S. we acknowledge people, you know, people's different identity, race, ethnic origin, or the, uh, country of origin, et cetera, et cetera. Again, we don't talk about it as much, but in the, in the U.K., um, it is something that isn't not only just talked about, but is joked about to a certain extent that some Americans can consider rude. Um, so just to put this in context, I, I want to highlight that I think a lot of times, not that 
British people don't mean well, I think they mean very well, is that you just have to understand from their culture. And I think the easiest way to explain it is how the people in the UK, and I'm, by that I mean the countries of the UK, England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and Ireland, uh, kind of very openly deride each other and their identity, to a certain extent their language, their culture, and it kind of in like a joking way. Um, and it's, I'm not going to say it's okay per se, but it's kind of like people are aware that, okay, yeah, they do that, whatever. So what? We heard that before. So, you know, I had really good friends of mine who I was, when I first met them, I was shocked, uh, how much sarcastically, uh, they derided the Scottish, the Welsh and the Irish. And then when I was living in Ireland, they derided the English, the Scottish and the Welsh. And when I went to see people I knew in Scotland, they derided the English, the Welsh, the Irish. And I don't want to say brutal or utterly rude ways, but in very sarcastic ways, they're biting. And you wouldn't necessarily do that in the U.S. So I, not that this perfect analogy is that in the U.S., uh, you know, I would never, it would be very insensitive of me if I made fun of someone for their ethnic origin of whatever type. And it would, that would get me in lots of trouble. And I'm not saying the UK to make fun of it, but they have a more open discussion, um, Some sometimes sarcastic, but sometimes just um, in, a, in a much more aggressive way, identify points of difference among people of uh, different identities. So... Um, so an American can easily see this and be horrified and think UK is a country of rude stereotypers. And I think there's much to appreciate that British culture is just a little bit different. And now I want to highlight that um, this is not something you would hear in public at large. I would say in public, the stiff upper lip among strangers is a real thing. But in an academic setting or in personal setting, so... And this mostly applies to academic study. There's a presumed, presumed level of closeness. And in the British culture, when there's a presumed level of closeness, whether academic setting or personal friendships, there, uh, there's a level of open honesty and sarcasm that basically holds no punches. And that that's very different in the U.S. because in the U.S., I would say people are generally outwardly um, what they are to strangers um, as they are to family and friends. And friends, and by that I mean, um, people have said, and I very much agree that Americans are outwardly what they are outwardly to strangers in terms of personality, in terms of what they're open to need to reveal. I mean, isn't that much different than what is what they're openly revealed to strangers and friends? So the, the stereotype of the, the loud American randomly talking to strangers. Well, yeah, that's very true. We're just in the, in the U.S. We're just very much a more chatty society um, in which there's less barriers to talk to strangers and revealing. Um, but the, the UK, it's not. And then that ties to closeness. When there's low closeness, there's more open uh, thought of inter internal inter uh, views that can be seen as aggressive as applies to identity. All right. Um, last thing is that uh, cultural nuance is that it can be difficult to cross the barrier to be friends with local Brits. Um, I don't want to say that Brits are not outwardly friendly. I have really good friends that are British of all different ethnicities. Um, but 
I think, it, to be honest, there's a lot to be said that um, there, there's you you have to cross the threshold from just being a random stranger to being a a welcome social a friend. And for some British people, for an American, it's hard to cross. And some people can't, can't ever do it in nine months. I, I know people who went to the UK for grad school, and they pretty much said that I went to the UK for grad school and didn't really come back with a British friend. Um, it's, it requires some level of work, some level of relationship building that uh, to get over that barrier, which some Americans feel challenged by because in the U.S., you know, people who live in big cities especially, they meet strangers all the time and become friends within like a day or a week. And that's just not how it is in the U.K. Now, I want to clarify, there's a level of closeness at, among peers in the academic setting, but uh, which refers to how people talk about identities and share thoughts in terms of classroom and stuff. In terms of very personal, cl- being able to be a friend, someone that welcomes you to your social circle or share social circles and share activities that is uh to get to that level of friendship that's a little bit harder with the brits but once you get there it's amazing um i would say once you become a friend of british people they're very warm and friendly um and i've enjoyed my experience with my british friends all right let's talk about the student population in uk schools um they tend to lean much younger and with a lot straight from undergrad and some only a few years of work experience at MS programs. Now, I heard talk that they're trying to get more experience um, in UK grad programs. Um, so there have been stories about outliers, like random 35-year-olds from so-and-so Asian countries sponsored to go to grad program. So yes, the outliers definitely do happen, but by and large... Um, traditionally speaking, at least, it's been a younger student population. Um, based off of what my family told me and what I've seen, I have really two thoughts about this. In the UK schools, I think it's really interesting that um, the the student body who among, uh, I knew were all either straight from undergrad or a year or two from work, of work, they were really ambitious about making social impact and what they could do, which was very refreshing. That being said... I think some of them struggle to be aware of the process and burdens of just having stakeholder buy-in, make all the change they wanted. But again, I I super appreciated their ambition. It's very refreshing, um, especially you know after my policy school experience. Um, in a weird way, uh, there was talk, but there wasn't really uh, ambition that was tied to an actual plan. It was just blanket ambition. So I really appreciate. Uh, the ambition with uh, a plan of follow-up and how they were going to chase that ambition. All right. Log- last thing I want to highlight is logistical hurdles. Um, I think it's interesting that I've known quite a few Americans who go to UK and then end up studying something American-centric. They end up finding themselves having to buy flights back to the US to do research uh, where they can have access to either people to interview, hard copy catalogs, or whatever. Now, I'm sure that's much less likely um, since COVID and Zoom has become more prominent. But uh, ultimately, what I'm getting at is that if you want to reach, go to UK school to research a more American phenomenon or have a more American-centric view, it might actually be kind of tough just because you're not in the U.S., you're not in the same time zone, and there are logistical hurdles to it. 
Um, just something to be aware about. All right. So what I want to wrap up with is there's basically lots of cons and lots of pros to going to UK school for policy IR grad program. Um, very, very broadly speaking, I think UK uh, grad schools are great for people who are younger, straight from undergrad or one or two years experience, who are open to uh, an academic culture in which they're constantly being challenged. Um, now, on the flip side, I would say someone who's cannot handle or struggles to handle academic environments where they're constantly being challenged um, or they want active environment where they can more actively learn quant, um, they might struggle at a UK school. But um, there's a lot to be said about UK schools being one year and that being essentially, it, it you know, can be less expensive. Um, so those are just my broad thoughts and I hope it's helpful and thank you very much and look forward to making more content.